Pastor Ed Taylor challenging us to put what we learn from the Lord into practice. We have plenty of knowledge today, and we have plenty of spiritual discernment, the Holy Spirit in all of us as believers. The issue of why a person stays on milk and on the basics is in application. It's, it's you being here right now, you listening in right now, you having that CD playing right now, and you're hearing my voice, and I'm saying to you, what you have heard, go put it into practice. That's the challenge. Because I tell you, if you obey and I obey, God has promised to honor his word. He's promised that. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Our human bodies steadily grow from birth, and the average person stops growing by the time they're 20. Though we do stop growing physically, we should never stop growing spiritually. As we'll see in our study today on Abounding Grace, God desires for us to be healthy and mature believers, displaying the love of Christ with knowledge and understanding. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles now to 1 Corinthians 3, as we listen in to Pastor Ed Taylor's message called, Jesus is the Only Foundation. It's probably because of the condition of the church that I hear this, but there are times where people will come and just kind of pour their heart out and they'll say something like, you know, Ed, I just wish we could, I wish, wish the church was like the church of the first century, like the early church. I wish the church could be like the early church. And sometimes as they look backwards, they might read the book of Acts or Ephesians or 1 Corinthians with actually rose-colored glasses, thinking, well, you know, if it was just the early church, things could certainly be better. Of course, in the early church, people were more on fire than today, and they were more pure than today. And, and there's these assumptions that go on of wanting to go back to the early church. Even in the context of our fellowship at Calvary, sometimes you'll hear, I wish we could go back to the good old days, and everyone has a frame of reference of what the good old days mean to them. But when you study the scriptures, you have to stop for a second. Maybe that's you. You're like, yeah, that's how I feel. I wish we could go back to the first century. Well, let's just stop a second and consider what you're asking. To go back to the church of the first century. Because the church of the first century was filled with problems. It wasn't a church without issues. I mean, those of you that are studying with us on the weekends in the book of Acts, right there in chapter 6, I mean, already there's division and problems and issues. And I think we have the church of the early church today in general because the church is filled with people. Even here in Corinth, this church, this is just a few years after the ascension of Jesus Christ, just a few years into the book of Acts that we come to the church in Corinth and already there are divisions, stunted spiritual growth, there's rampant sexual immorality running through the church. They didn't know how to exercise the spiritual gifts. They were drawing attention to themselves. They were propping up leaders. I mean... 
the early church wasn't perfect. And so to cry out for the church of the first century is really to miss what God is doing in our century. Because then you go, well, wait a minute, then what I really want is not just the church of the first century. What I really long for is the purity that we saw in the early church. That's what we need. The church needs the purity that we saw in, in the first century. Really? Ask Ananias and Sapphira what that's like. Talk about purity. I mean, if, if God dealt with the early, us like he did in the early church, I mean, there would be, well, there'd just be a constant flow of people coming in and carried out and come flowing in and carried out. Although I understand I mean, there's that desire for purity in the church, and there's that desire for zeal and passion. There's that desire for a church to turn the world upside down. And in that regard, I totally understand. But you know, friend, it's not a church thing. A lot of times we use the phrase church as something to prop up, sort of like a straw man argument. You know, just set up the church, and it's all the church's fault. But you know well that the church is you. And me, we're the church. We're a part of the body. So when you cry out for zeal and passion like the first century in the church, you're praying for yourself. And when you cry out for the purity of the early church, you're actually asking God to purify your life. It's not the church. It's, God, what are you going to do in me? And so be careful when you start to long for things in the church, thinking that it's for someone else, When in reality, what you're crying out for is God to work in you. Because as you look at a gathering of the saints, what we commonly use the phrase church, no church is perfect, not one. Never has been, never will be. Why? Why is there no perfect church? Very simply, people. Or in more, in particular, you and me. The church is made up of people that are very normal. Sometimes those normal people are spiritual. Sometimes those normal people are what we're going to learn tonight, carnal. And I know that there's a lot of debate on whether there are carnal Christians or not. The Bible's clear. Yes, there are carnal Christians. Fleshly. Those that are given over to a flesh type of life. Those that are living in the flesh. Those that are living according to the flesh. Carnal. Causes great problems. And so because there are people in the church, whenever there are a few gathering in Jesus' name, there are always going to be problems that follow those few. You know, wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus is there in the midst. Wherever wherever there's two or three are gathered, there's potential for great problems. And great friction among the saints. And problems arose in the early church very quickly. It didn't take long for their eyes to get diverted. It didn't take long for the early church, even the leaders of the early church, to completely abdicate their leadership over to the church and just let the people do whatever they wanted. Just like in the book of Judges, even in Corinth, it seemed that everyone was doing that which was right in their own eyes. And Paul needed to write this note to them and say, hey... This is how things are done. This is how it's supposed to be. And when that word goes out to us, then we can then respond. Are we going to go the way the Lord would desire? And Paul, throughout the letter, he shares his heart, and he gets pretty personal like he does here in verse 1 of chapter 3. Notice he says, And I, brethren, 
And notice, right, right as he's moving forward, pick up back in chapter 2, where it says in verse 14 that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, this is the flow. He's comparing the natural, the unbeliever, and the spiritual, the believer, here at the end of chapter 2. He says the spiritual, those that are spiritual, those that, that speak forth and walk in the Spirit, Well, those are the ones that receive. He says in verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, for he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But, and I, brethren, and and could... He's changing directions just a little bit. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Now, he's not saying they were natural unbelievers. He's I couldn't, I couldn't speak to you guys because you were natural, you were unbelievers. No, he says, you guys are like babies in Christ. You're like new believers that don't care. You're like someone that, that has called upon the name of the Lord, but you really don't live that way. You're, I couldn't speak to you with these things that were weightier because you're just like a bunch of babies. What's happening in the church? And I believe he's writing here to get their attention. Now he's starting to direct them to, hey, don't you guys see? You're able to judge between what's spiritual and not spiritual, he says. Can't you judge yourselves? Can't you see? Can't you look at what's happening in the condition of your church and see that if you were in a better condition, I wouldn't have to talk to you like babies? I wouldn't have to change my tone. I wouldn't have to simplify things for you. You would be able to receive the deeper things, but because you're carnal. Next to that word carnal, you can just circle it. The idea behind this word is spiritually immature. It's not unbelievers because he calls them babes in Christ. And I don't know why pastors make such a big deal about this. I mean, whole books have been written on this when it couldn't be clearer that these were babies in Christ. Not unbelievers. The church in Corinth had a group of people that were spiritually immature. Carnal could also be defined fleshly. People that were living after the flesh. Dominated by the flesh. Because spiritually mature believers don't divide over people. Spiritually mature don't gravitate and say, well, we're after Paul or we're... That's not spiritual maturity because spiritual maturity is a desire to worship the king of kings and receive from whatever leader God has in your life. You don't run to and fro and try to find this pastor over here and find this over here. I don't agree over here. That's spiritual immaturity. And understanding that this Bible study will go out on the airwaves and even is right now, For those that are listening that just hop around, boom, boom, oh, that's spiritual immaturity. Oh, I'm not speaking to the reality that God may move you into another fellowship, but I'm telling you, there's a whole group of people that just boom, 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 you just hop around, hop around, you're never satisfied, you you have a, a list that you're looking to try, well, I wish you had this, this, and this, instead of just saying, God, where do you want me? Because that's where I want to be. Spiritual maturity. Persevering, enduring steadying on, commitment, loyalty. Those are areas and attributes of spiritual maturity. 
not immaturity. The carnal, well, they act like babies in Christ. Not really spiritually developing. By the time Paul had left Corinth, he was expecting development in their lives. He says in verse 2, he says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're not able. So even the condition of where you're at right now receiving the letter, you're still not able to take the heavier things of the word. Those truths that are applying. You know, the spiritual milk of the word, if you want to use that metaphor, are the basics of the faith. Understanding your relationship with Jesus Christ, understanding the blood of Jesus Christ, the cross, salvation, faith. The meat of the word is really not just going deeper. Sometimes we'll look at that, well, I want something heavy, I want something deep. You want to go heavy and you want to go deep, then obey the word. That's the meat. Obey it. Where you take the word and you actually live it out. You're not like what Paul described when he wrote to young Timothy. You can jot it down. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he described a group of people as always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's a babe. And for those churches that are committed to teaching through the word, it's a big danger for the church to be filled with people that have great knowledge, but they are still babes because they're not putting it into action. And that's a danger we always run into here. Our commitment to the solid teaching of the word, there are times when you misunderstand receiving a Bible study is actually the end. Okay, service is over. That was a great Bible study. Let's go off into the world. And really, the end of the Bible study is actually just the beginning of what God wants to do now with what you've learned and now you're going to become accountable for. That's the meat. The milk is just going through all the simple things over and over and over again. The meat putting it in to action. And spiritual immaturity is a big problem among believers. Being immature. This lack of spiritual growth over time, what it does is it drags down the progress of the believer. It slows them down. And... What happens with those that are hanging around with that believer is the danger of slowing everyone else down too. And now a group is slowed down because the spiritually mature might be looked at as a leader in that group, might be looked at as someone to look up to, someone to model their life after, but because they're spiritually mature, they begin to slow down themselves and then they slow down everybody that's following them. And it's a great problem. These guys in verse 1 were in Christ. This church, the ones that he's addressing, he's absolutely speaking to, and I think you've noticed, he's also rebuking those that are in Christ, believers. And you know by now that here at Calvary, we don't believe in long-term Christian counseling. The idea of let's meet in January and we'll meet once a week until the end of the year. Because often, even in working through some of the most difficult things that people go through, you pretty much can get the counsel you need in about an hour. What really remains is what will you do with it? Now, I'm not saying that someone can't come alongside and comfort you and encourage you and be there for you and pray for you. That's not Christian counseling. That's just simply Christian love. 
just having a brother or sister to walk alongside and bear burdens. But somehow along the way, the church has bought into this, well, you've just got to sit down and we've got to talk forever. There's a time for talking and there's a time for action. And almost always, if the spirit is moving in that room, the council, well, you know that the council is pretty solid when the person doesn't want to do it. You can usually tell, you know what, they heard me. They're really mad at me right now, but boy, did they hear me. Because this is what they need to do. You know, for instance, a lot of the issues as we have interpersonally, marriage, friendships, a lot of the issues that keep us divided, that keep us spiritually immature, is you simply and I simply refuse to forgive like I've been forgiven. Like the Bible says. If there was more grace-filled forgiveness flowing through our lives, there would be less interpersonal problems. But the world has said, oh, no, 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 the problem you have right now, you got to dig deeper, you got to dig deeper, you got to dig deeper. And then the church came in and said, you know what, that's right, there are generational curses and you'll never be able to live this. And for hundreds of generations, and you're just stuck, and the word says that you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Yeah, it doesn't say the truth's going to mess you up. It's going to help you. And so people get frustrated. No, Pastor, we've got to meet forever for, for at least 12 sessions. And the reality is, is that in a couple meetings, you'll probably hear the same truth five or six times. And then our heart will be then to put you in a place where now brothers and sisters can come alongside of you and pray for you and encourage you and help you. But spiritual immaturity stops you from making the right decisions that will get you out of the situation that you're in and give you progress. Because in our day and age, unless you're a brand new believer and you got saved last night or maybe even tonight, the problem in the church, even with Corinth, wasn't a problem of knowledge or spiritual discernment. We have plenty of knowledge today and we have plenty of spiritual discernment, the Holy Spirit in all of us as believers. The issue of why a person stays on milk and on the basics is in application. It's, it's you being here right now, you listening in right now, you having that CD playing right now, and you're hearing my voice, and I'm saying to you, what you have heard, go put it into practice. That's the challenge. Because I tell you, if you obey and I obey, God has promised to honor his word. He's promised that. It's in Psalm 138 that we learn that God, he will exalt his word even above his name. And so the truth of the word, it's not a lack of understanding, it's a lack of application. Paul, as he addresses the church both then and now, he says, you guys are just like taking milk in, just like a baby. Just taking in the same necessary nutrients, but you're really not growing up. Like a baby that needs all the attention. I mean, and if baby doesn't get your attention, make sure it's in just a few moments. Oh, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? I'm not happy right now. Feed me. Take care of me. Change me. <laughs> and believers can be like that. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying that like a baby, they had needed someone to pamper them and burp them <laughs> and constantly take care of them and counsel them and explain things over and over and over again. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. We will help you in the spirit the best that we can. 
And if, it needs, if you need a few times to sit down, we'll, we'll serve you and love you and we'll be there for you. But you've got to understand that unlike the world, well, really, unlike the world, there is no, we, char- we don't charge for Christian counseling. You know why? Because freely we received and freely we give. It's not like we're giving you anything that isn't in the word. And so you sit down with us. There's not going to be any charge. You're going to sit down. We're going to give you the word. And there's not going to be any, any need to make you somehow dependent upon the council because we want you dependent upon the Lord. And when you catch this, it'll blow your mind. You'll start to mature. You'll start to grow. It's easy to look around even tonight on a Wednesday night to see people that have followed the counsel of the Lord and God has rescued them and saved them and ministered to them and helped them. Where just years earlier, they were out of their mind, literally. And today... They love Jesus with all their heart, soul, and mind. And their neighbor as themselves. It's not a work of man. It's the work of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. And it'll help you and me go from milk to meat. And that's why spiritually immature believers cause so much trouble in churches. Not new believers. New believers are passion and zeal and, man, what do, you want to, what do you want me to do, Lord? I'm all over it. But those that have been around for a while but are still kind of sucking the bottle spiritually, you know, and they're just not going for it. They're not, they're, they cause great havoc. They pull people down. They discourage. You know why? Because I believe that God expects us. This isn't like an option for us. God expects us to grow, all of us. From glory to glory and strength to strength. Let me show you something here in 2 Peter. Turn over to the right there in 2 Peter. There is an expectation on your life tonight. That is why you're here. You're responding in the expectation that God has for you to grow. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3. Really, we'll pick up in verse 14. Where God is wanting us to mature and to grow. And he says in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles speaking in, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, So even Peter, as he's reading Paul, he goes, man, some of these things are hard to understand. He even recognizes that. But he says, which those who are untaught and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. That's a whole other category of spiritually immature people. And we don't have time to get into that now. But verse 17, you therefore, beloved. So he transitions now to those that are spiritual. You therefore, beloved, since you know these things beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. And then notice, this is an expectation, verse 18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Even as Peter struggled with some of the things in Paul's writing, he says, listen, here's this expectation. You guys, you guys grow. Do you know that you can grow as much as you desire to grow? That it's unlimited for you. It's not bound by your education level. It's not bound by whether you can read or not. It's not bound by any of the human limitations. If you present yourself to the Lord, you can grow. You can grow as much as you want. 
With that encouragement to keep growing in the Lord all the days of our Christian pilgrimage, that's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. If you'd like to hear this message again, go online at calvaryco.church. And another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. It's free, too. We've picked out a wonderful book by A.W. Tozer this month that we think you'll benefit from. It's The Pursuit of God. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us, and it's something every believer can experience, not just a select few. In this book, Tozer uses examples from Scripture and from the lives of Christians who have lived with a thirst for God to show us the path to a closer walk with the Lord. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, ask for a copy of The Pursuit of God. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE or make your request and donation online at calvaryco.church. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. Glad you've taken time out to study the Word with us. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow for Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.